0: Welcome to Earth Chats. In this show, we chat to leaders, influencers and organizations who are passionate about making our earth a better place. We are all aware of the dangers of pollution and how global climate change could impact our lives. Join us and listen to the conversation with leaders in making our world better. We'll share their stories, advice and opinions. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, instagram tv spotify google podcasts and apple podcasts make sure to join us and let's take hands to save your planet and make our world a better place good day everyone today i'm talking to- Professor Ray Janssen. Um Ray is the head of Pangolin Work Group in South Africa. And welcome, um, Ray, to Earth Chats.
1: Thanks very much, um, Will. Uh, great to be on board.
0: So, Ray, give us a, a, some background about yourself and how yeah, you became involved with environmental and earth
1: sciences. Um, yeah, that's my day job at Tshwane University of Technology. I'm um, in the Faculty of Sciences in the Department of Environmental, Water and Earth Sciences. And, um, but uh, my research capacity, I deal with a number of projects on the side, um, you know, focusing on various species. But uh, one of the main groups of organisms we work on is the dota, which is the pangolins. Well, that's amazing.
0: I mean, you um, I saw that you are the chairman of the African Pangolin Work Group. So can you tell us a bit more about um, the history and the workings of the group, and maybe a bit about the pangolins themselves? You know, um, I was amazed. I, I read a bit on your on your website, and I was amazed to see all these things. And, um, you know, I just know them as anteaters, so it would be fascinating to hear a bit more.
1: Yeah they they're fascinating creatures. Um, evolution goes back, you know, 85 million years, where they originated in the supercontinent Pangea in what is now North America. And then um, evolved up into Europe, and the first fossil pangolins were found in what is now Germany, which gave rise to the four Asian species of pangolins. and And about forty million years ago, the Asian species gave rise to the four African species of pangolins. They're the only mammal um, covered in hard, overlapping keratinous scales. They've got no real movable jaws. They've got no teeth. They've got a tongue almost as long as their bodies. And um, they mostly nocturnal, and feed specifically on ants and termites. So they're completely unique. And what makes them even more unique is they evolved from a common ancestor, which was more like a cat, um, of the carnivore family, which is bizarre. Yeah.
0: So, how did, how did you get? Uh, I mean, how did you get interested in in, in this species yourself?
1: Um, well, I'm actually an ornithologist. I study birds. But um, uh, in 2009, one of my um, students, because I used to be a teacher for my sins, uh, and one of my matricology students looked me up and said, uh, look, my parents are looking after a a game farm in the Kalahari, which has got a decent population of Temek's ground pangolins, and I'd love to do my postgraduate research on pangolins. And uh, he said, well, you know, would you supervise my project? And I said, absolutely. I've never even seen one. And that was a whole opening of a, a, a new world, a new realm of, um, of pangolins. And uh, not long after that, realizing that they're the most traded mammals on earth and all eight species are threatened with extinction. And the rest is history. It's uh, more than a decade ago. Well, that's amazing. You know what? what are,
0: I mean, that, that's, that's amazing. The most traded animals on earth. So what are the major threats to
1: pangolins? Just a correction, not the most traded animals, the most traded mammals. There, oh, there are okay. other animals in yeah, in numbers like shark fin, perlemon, um, okay. eels that are traded in, in vast more numbers, but certainly the most traded mammals on earth and um, mostly sought after for their meat as a delicacy in countries such as Vietnam, but probably more so for their scales to be used in cultural and traditional practices in um, Asian countries such as Malaysia, Vietnam, but very more specifically in China, where their scales are used in vast, vast numbers, uh, where they're ground into powder and they form part of a a remedy in cultural uh, medicine practices or used for spiritual practices to cure certain ailments or certain belief systems in Asia.
0: Oh my word. So the african work group was formed as a as, basically as to protect to protect the species right
1: yeah uh, remember they're not a species they're in an entire order you've got eight species <laughs> okay. so the african pangolin working group was established uh, in 2011 it was the first uh, non-profit organization that had a focus um, the hands-on focus working with live animals and working with pangolins in specifically First one in the world established in 2011, where our focus is on the four African species. Um, we, we did that on purpose because we couldn't focus on all eight species, it, it will just be too much. And um, our work involves uh, retrieving them out of the illegal wildlife trade in South Africa, assisting other African countries in, in retrieving them out of the trade, and also in their rehabilitation and their release as well as their post-release monitoring so we work very closely with law enforcement with government uh with police and also with the judiciary and national prosecuting authority and then um also in the education of how to work with pangolins to veterinary surgeons to farmers to rehabilitation organizations to government officials and also educational initiatives to the youth so we we are operational on multiple levels i can see that so so i i suppose that rehabilitation of animals is also extremely important on your side yeah look i mean once you pull these animals out the trade they're all severely compromised both mentally and physically and it it involves a whole process of um of getting them a back into the wild, and and actually, their psychological trauma is quite important as well. So it can take a number of months to actually rehabilitate them, and we follow them post-release for even up to a year. So the process is quite intense, and um, it involves every single one, where we put telemetry transmitters onto them and satellite. I was wondering, are
0: you actually I put those transmitters on?
1: Yeah, their scales are, are very hard. You know, it's like it's made out of keratin, like our nails and our hair. But they're as hard as rhino horn, so you can actually get a a four-millimeter wood drill bit and actually drill through the scale, and it's bolted onto the scale. Uh, One VHF transmitter, which is a a very high-frequency transmitter uh, for, for close monitoring, and then also a satellite transmitter that you can pick up on your phone anywhere in the world to have a look at general movement patterns. And um, they, they, it's quite expensive technology, but it's absolutely crucial to monitor these animals. It must also be
0: fascinating. I saw the other day that somebody was uh, they, they had a seat little that they monitored that they were swimming 45 kilometers a day. So do these animals move yeah. in vast areas, or do they are they range-bound? How do they operate?
1: Yeah, you know, they can, they can they can cover up to 10 kilometers in one night. They, wow. they don't really run they just sort of put their head down and walk off you know the, the temex pangolin is the most southern species of african pangolin but it's the only one that's bipedal in other words it, it walks on its back legs others are all quadrupedal and walk on all four legs but the little temex pangolin can cover 10 12 kilometers in a night and the vhf transmitter can only pick up about three kilometers so If they walk uh, uh, over three kilometers, you're going to lose them pretty quickly. So hence, then comes the satellite transmitter into play. And then we can work out exactly where they are. Uh, So if they've walked, uh, you know, 10, 12 kilometers and we've lost the signal, we can pick them up with a satellite tag and we can get their general location and pick up their VHF signal again. So uh, we've got historical movement patterns of, you know, two, 300 kilometers over a few months. So they can cover you know, reasonably vast distances, but it's saying that they are highly territorial, sedentary, solitary species. So the males are territorial. They live in about sort of five to ten square kilometer territories, and um, they don't travel very far from that. But when we release animals, we have found that they can travel quite vast distances to set up their own home ranges. That's amazing. I see that you
0: have on your website a space where the public can actually record um, pangolin sightings. Does this help you in, um, this obviously helps you in your
1: research and stuff like that? Yeah, and it's not just for research. It's it's vastly important to determine um, current population distribution, as well as frequency of sightings. So if we get more frequent sightings in an area, it gives us an indication that the population is reasonably healthy and reasonably active. So those sort of um, public sightings are, are really, really important and we can calculate from that how the population has shrunk over a certain period of time or for that matter, maybe growing to a certain extent. And um, those uh, sighting data are held highly confidential. So if the public give us a, a, a GPS coordinate or latitude and longitude, um, we don't share that information mm-hmm. and it's... it's, it's um, it's held in the stricted of secrecy because pangolins are now so wanted in their legal wildlife trade that their their scales which are ground on into powder are actually sold per gram per US dollar so it's very close to nearing what rhino horn is currently and um, the demand for pangolin scales is much more than rhino horn or ivory or tiger bone or lion bone or perlimon or combined so the Demand for pangolin scales is is really really, big. and the money they can make off it is, is a vast amount of money. So we don't give off the location, of when we have a pangolin in our possession, or if we receive a location from the public. We don't make that common knowledge. Well, that's amazing. I
0: think anti-poaching um, is is such a major issue. So um, I, I saw there that you've got a canine anti-poaching program, which sounds um, quite exciting. <laughs>
1: Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, we've got um, the first canine unit that's dedicated entirely to the, uh, combating pangolin poaching. So we've got our own culture poaching unit. Uh, two members of staff um, headed up by a, a Glenn and Annika's the canine dog unit handler. And then we've got one Belgian Malinois cross shepherd um, dog that's trained on the scent of all four species of African pangolin. So this dog has the capability of detecting pangolin scales or live pangolins in the trade, whether they're in containers, suitcases, vehicles, buildings, or whatever. Um, Havoc is now trained to uh, sniff out any pangolin-related contraband, and um, so that's their, you know, their purpose. Although they do. That unit also helps us in transporting penguins to release sites and assisting uh, law enforcement with various operations. Um, so they are all kind of multifaceted in that role. Oh, that's awesome. I think i think the main thing with this, obviously, um, a big issue for
0: you guys are awareness, right? I mean, that's where um, rhinos and stuff like that, because they're big animals, there's a lot of awareness around them and they're poaching. And um, how do you actually, I mean, first of all, you're doing a lot of research which is important aspect of your work, but also getting the story out to the public and awareness about the importance of ambulance and to, to actually, you know, uh, combat poaching and to, to, to save
1: them. Um, how do you go about that? Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, we've got a marvellous tool at our disposal at the moment with social media and social media platforms like um, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and and public sharing and liking and talking about it. It's hugely important, and the the role the public plays in spreading the awareness of the pangolins are currently in. And it's difficult, you know, for the public to sort of grasp the importance of what's going on is somewhat um, a challenge because 99% of the global public has never even seen a live pangolin and probably will never see a live pangolin, Mm -hmm. whereas you can possibly see an Asian rhino in a zoo somewhere, or an African black rhino or white rhino in a zoo somewhere, and they're highly visible if you visit some of the parks and stuff, but pangolins are certainly not so visible. So we have a number of challenges that um, other conservation organizations that focus on specific species, whether it's lion or or giraffe or or uh, rhino or elephant or, or or whatever it happens to be as an endangered species, we don't have the privilege of showcasing penguins to the world in terms of live exhibits. We showcase what we do and um, the photographs we have and the sting operations we work on and to get the, the message out to the public. So, uh, one of our huge sort of um, tools in the trade are the social media, and, and it, 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 it really works well in particular, you know, with the youth and spreading awareness amongst their friends and schools. And it's, it's hugely important. And, um, and uh, you know, that's what we're trying to focus on. But we're a very small group. There are only four of our members of board, and we've got the two counter-poaching members of STOP. Um But, uh, you, you know, we, we, we try what we can with what we have available to the best okay. of our ability. Apologies for the short interruption, but I do need to
0: mention something. We really need to raise awareness about the dangers facing our environment. The Earth Chat podcast was started as a campaign to bring people together to save and protect our planet for generations to come. To make it easier for everyone to access our content and the advice shared by leaders in our mission for a better world, we have created a new website where you can access all their shows and featured articles. Visit us today on earthchats.bitmedia24.com, where you will find loads of interesting and insightful information, as well as tips and ideas of how you can participate in your mission of a better Earth. Here is that link again, earthchats.bitmedia24.com. Now. On with the show. You guys are obviously dedicated. So uh, another thing that I noticed that you have a uh, you're having a conference at the Kruger Park. Um, it's called uh, the second international Pangolin conference. Um, is this? Uh, yep. um, this is going to yep. be in September. Is this still going to go ahead though?
1: I uh, well, no, I don't think it's going to happen. So tomorrow, we're going to le- uh, release a press statement that um, y- you know, we can have an electronic meeting or whatever, but it's just not the same to get the, mm-hmm. the world's most formidable, best pangolin conservationists from the world, around the world in one place is no easy task, and it's no cheap task either, so it requires planning and and uh, booking flights and, and all sorts of things like visas and that, mm-hmm. and to have it in one of the most fantastic venues in the world which is natural pangolin habitat to the Temex pangolin in Skakuza in the Kruger Park is just an absolute bonus, so we're going to be postponing that until um, September 2021 and uh, you know we've got scientists coming from um, Canada, United States, Australia, um, Malaysia, Vietnam, China, um, many countries in Europe such as um, the UK and other countries such as Holland and Switzerland. Lots of people doing fantastic work on pangolins all over the world coming through to this conference. And it, if one country, for example, the United States, has got a huge COVID-19 pandemic. Problem at the moment, I seriously doubt that international flights will be, um, they may be available, but I don't know if they'll be safe enough to travel. So I think it's safer just to postpone it by one more year and get everybody on board in Skakuza Camp in September uh, next year. I think that that is
0: the right decision. I mean, um, everybody I talk to basically following the same thing, right? And I think now that we're talking about the coronavirus, it's impacting all of us, you know, and all organizations and yourself as a as an NPO, need to rethink their models, and you know, do you have any ideas or changes in mind um, in that area, um that the new things that you're doing to get more awareness out, and you know, in your in your, what was it? We call it post-COVID world.
1: Yeah, you know, the um, the SARS virus has actually been a double-edged sword because there's been a lot of blame that's been given to pangolins as being the intermediate host passing on COVID-19 from its host species, which is probably a horseshoe bat in Asia, passing it on to an Asian pangolin in a wet market, which happens to be Wuhan. Although there's a lot of speculation about what the intermediate host actually was or is, um, pangolins have come into the lounges of everybody around the world that, you know, this may have been contracted from an Asian pangolin, the most traded group of mammal in the world, having a sort of a re- revenge on the human race. But, um, you know, we don't know what the intermediate species was. Uh, in the 2002-2003 SARS outbreak in Asia, it was an Asian civet. In the 2012 outbreak in Saudi Arabia, it was a camel. So to have the intermediate host, we, we, you know, we don't know what it is. Mm. But in the same note, it brought penguins to the spotlight and created global awareness for the plight of pangolins. And the extinction crisis all eight species may follow. Um, I think you know we're going to release a press statement soon that we need to start um, utilizing our natural resources better to the safety and health of humans, but also to the well-being of global biodiversity. So we, we, we cannot utilize predators as a source of food because the cats, dogs, pangolins, civets. And even omnivores such as primates and other um, omnivores and carnivores such as bats have been well known to transmit um, pathogenic viruses and bacteria to uh, multiple host species and including humans. Ebola, AIDS and many respiratory viruses in the past have been contracted from bushmeat markets in Africa and what they call wet markets in Asia. So people need to take note of that and to utilize maybe other species less and, and, um, and steer away from key species such as carnivores and certain omnivore species, which are renowned for transmitting zoonotic diseases. And I think post COVID, that will be a huge movement forward for multiple wildlife nonprofit organizations, as well as multiple governments throughout Asia and Africa that would have to put some sort of regulation in place in terms of education in rural communities of what is safe and also education in rural communities of what species are um, suffering to the extent that they um, may bear an extinction crisis. Well, this is so uh,
0: what you're saying is there's always uh, some, there might be some, actually, some positive coming from this, which is, is great to hear, right? Um, and that is wonderful. So. Um, right. Also, people at home. Uh, I mean, pangolins are very cute animals, and I think you know when people get to know them and, and see more of them, they did, People would love to get involved. So, how can people get involved and contribute or donate? How can they do this?
1: Yeah. You, you know, we've got so many well-wishers of people who'd like to come over and work with pangolins and and assist us. It's just so difficult now that they they are so sought after in organized crime that it, mm-hmm. it, it's a huge risk not only for the volunteers that want to come and help us but also for the pangolins in a re-poaching event so it's not always possible and in fact it is almost impossible to put that ball in motion but you know what we always say is just spread awareness and and um global awareness is is fantastic you know and an and ant is 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 not a very powerful organism but the entire nest is just absolutely formidable so if we've got this huge global movement with people all over the world supporting pangolins and spreading awareness, that on its own is just absolutely phenomenal. So that's the biggest thing that the public can do. Um, they're very welcome to to visit our, our social media platforms. Um, we're on Facebook, African Pangolin Working Group. I've recently started, started a Twitter feed, which is still young, also African Pangolin Working Group. I'm on Instagram um, called African Pangolin Conservation, just one word. And then we do have our website. If you just Google African Pangolin Working Group, you'll find it. Our banking details are all up there. Uh, we have SnapScan. Our uh, PayPal is down at the moment, so we're busy working on that. They wanted to verify my that oh, I actually exist as a, as, a, as a true person. And um, so we're busy working on that at the moment. But I think, you know, to anybody out there, just just like our pages and, and share comments and network with us. Um, the, the, the board all run our own um, social media feeds, so we don't employ people to run them for us. We, we're at the end of every single one of those. I'm at the end of the Instagram one. Um, I think that's how you hooked up with me, Will.
0: That's and
1: correct. Um, you know, my executive director, Nikki Wright, is, is at the other end of the Facebook page. I'm at the other end of the, uh, of the Twitter page. So we're actually on it ourselves. We don't pass the buck. Um, we don't employ somebody to do it. We do it ourselves. Um, if people have questions, comments, whatever, you know, we, we work with everyone as, as quickly as we can. But I think it's important to um, also be in touch with the global community in terms of awareness. And um, you may just reach one young person that can have a huge impact, maybe not immediately, but in the future um, towards the conservation of the foliogota that's very very true and um yeah i will definitely put all the links
0: and everything in the description here so right yeah that that um, that's that's great so my last question for you is if you have one message for somebody at home about you know environment in general and how they can make a difference um from your experience what
1: would that be you know try to make such a i don't want to make a huge long statement but i think um I'm not a very religious person, but I, I just got huge respect for, for, for those Buddha people. You know, they they sweep the path in front of them where every little ant is swept out of harm's way. <laughs> you know, mm. it's, it's obviously something we can't all do and we need to utilize our environment sustainably. Not, not utilize it. I think it's important to utilize it, but just bear in mind that little things have all got a part to play in the, in the bigger picture of, of the only planet we know is home. and, I mean, bees alone are responsible for pollinating more than 70% of the world's foodstuffs, and we're taking them out with insecticides and pesticides. Just awareness of all the little things that you need to have around for future generations and the generations that will also conserve nature and and the well-being of all organisms on our planet. And I think just this awareness, and if you just save one, at least it's one less that has been saved and has the right to life like everything else does i like that respect for life
0: right that is um was very very um, um insightful and um thank you for spending the time i know you're busy you, you were telling me before we started that you had a pangolin um, uh, pregnancy emergency so um, that was great to hear that you guys are on the ball if you know every day and thank you for for spending the time and visiting with us and talking to our listeners. I think they will find this insightful. Thank you for listening to today's show. We are grateful for everyone listening to our podcast and appreciate your interest in saving our planet. Please be sure to subscribe and follow us on the links below. It would also be extremely helpful if you could share the show and all your links with your friends and family. Bless all of you and bless our Earth.